0: CHAPTER Two, Life in Charter Street The begging-ken was gained after passing through a long passage, leading into a room which was large enough to accommodate with comfort the dozen persons, male and female, that were sitting on either side of a large deal-table. They were of the genus cadger, but wore a very different look to that put on when pursuing their vocation of pestering well-to-do people for alms. They were dressed in their ordinary clothes, to be sure and their looped and windowed raggedness, showed up strangely in the light of the great fire which roared in the wide grate. They seemed as much at home as it was possible to imagine, and were smoking filthy clay pipes, and exchanging confidences with perfect freedom. There was no whining cant in their voices now, for they had only fellow cheaters to deal with, and they accordingly appeared in their true colours. They took but very little notice of us, for supper was very nearly ready, and a savoury odour rose from a huge iron pot that was simmering and bubbling on the fire. One of the hobs, too, was fitted with a kitchen boiler, and the steam was blowing off at an alarming rate. I was curious to know how these vagabonds dined, for the meal they were about to take was really dinner, though enjoyed at a later hour than even the most aristocratic in the land would care to fix. Some common earthenware plates, which at least looked clean in spite of their dilapidated state, were placed on the bare table, and a knife and fork of exceedingly venerable aspect were assigned to each person. Pipes were put out, carefully and even tenderly deposited in the owner's pockets, for strange is the love of the vagrant for his soothing comforter, and in another minute the pot was standing on the hearth, and beefsteak and onions were being distributed to each hungry wanderer. A loaf of aldermanic proportions graced the centre of the board and giant slices were cut from it and eagerly seized. Having watched the feed for a short time until every mouth was full and nothing could be heard but the harsh clatter of steel and platter varied with the uncouth noises made when the vulgar eat, we took our leave. This Ken has an immense reputation among the cadging and tramp fraternity as they can always ensure good treatment, if they have the means of paying a very small charge, and it is needless to say, they have always these means. Here they arrange the districts in which they shall work the city and the neighbourhood, and map out with wonderful cuteness and sagacity the route each shall take. Their organisation is not so perfect as in the metropolis, but the method is the same, and a rough sketch has even been discovered, in which the most prominent features of the suburbs were clearly shown their mendicancy is far too skilled for haphazard begging. The next house we visited was somewhat different in character to this place, in which vagrants assembled, and partook more of the genuine nature of a thieves' rendezvous. Entering direct from the street, we were in a small room, well furnished, with the walls hung with a number of gaudy engravings, and a large quantity of cheap china ornaments and glassware, standing on a sideboard. The fireplace was to our left, and to the right of it, and in fact immediately adjoining it was a bedstead in which the proprietor of the establishment was sleeping. He rose bolt upright on seeing my guide, whom for convenience I will henceforth call Mac, and I had a good chance of seeing his face. It was that of a man prematurely old, and the grizzled military moustache stood out from the livid and haggard face with singular effect. There was a blazing fire within a few inches of him, His hand, in fact, if stretched out, could have touched the bars, and yet he shivered and drew the clothes about his shoulders as he asked, What's up? He lay down again quietly, on hearing that a pal was being shown around, and told us there was somebody in the kitchen. At the foot of the bed was a wide doorway, and after a short struggle with a stubborn latch, we had an opportunity of seeing who this somebody was. The room had nothing very characteristic in its general outline, the walls being whitewashed and fairly clean, and the ceiling blackened and discoloured with smoke. A flight of stairs led up to the bedrooms, and on the bottom step I ensconced myself, while Mac fraternised with a couple of men who were lounging on a bench with the customary careless and limp bearing that is noticeable about your man of questionable repute. The place was excessively hot, for a gas-jet was flaring away, while the fire, more extensive than any I had yet seen, was roaring up the chimney. It may seem strange to refer so constantly to the presence of these fires, but I was struck with the lavishness with which the coal was used, and the evident pleasure afforded to those who were gathered round them. It is natural, perhaps, that warmth and the comfort inspired by the glow of a reaming fire should be particularly sought after in a profession which drives its votaries into hardship and privation in the open air. But whatever the cause may be, the fact remains that thief and vagrant are extravagantly partial to a good, wholesome English coal-fire. I sat on the stairs, listening, with no particular interest, to what was being related of various people, of a certain importance, I supposed, in their several lives, until my attention was attracted by two or three coarse expressions addressed to a girl who seemed to be unusually quiet and reserved. She was a mill-hand, apparently and had the typical Czech shawl of her class over her shoulders. She was not above eighteen years of age, and would have been good-looking, but for two or three ugly scars that disfigured her cheek. She kept turning to a youth about her own age, who was seated at the end of the bench nearest the fire, and attempted to raise a laugh by two or three jokes, remarkable for nothing but their breadth of meaning, which embraced more than I should like to say. Her man would not be mollified and sulkily smoked his pipe, only opening his lips to use bad language of the highest order. He was a good specimen of his kind, clear, sharp face, with marks of manhood before youth had passed away, closely cropped hair, almost hidden by a tight-fitting cap that showed his ears with uncommon effectiveness, and a wisp of dirty white handkerchief tied loosely round his throat. He rose once to light his pipe, and I could see the gleam of his brass-tipped clogs as he shuffled to the fire. Mac chafed him on his bad temper, and suggested he should square up with the gal, but he only got more savage, and swore more continuously. While reflecting on what a splendid Charlie Bates he would make, if only an artful dodger were forthcoming, I was considerably startled by an inscription in large red letters over the chimney-piece. It was so incongruous that I could scarcely believe my eyes, but through all the covering of dirt and dust I read, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. However the text had reached its position, I could not imagine, but I must confess to being greatly shocked at hearing the profanity indulged in beneath that commandment of the ten, which inculcates chastity of speech and thought. True that perhaps only myself and my companion could read, but it seemed as if the finger of old that had written, meeny meeny had traced in letters of blood the solemn warning against blasphemy which now looked down upon the reckless beings I was among. I hastened to leave the place, for, though no purist, I could not coolly listen to more cursing with such an eloquent monitor before me, and with a sidelong glance at the scroll, half obliterated with finger-marks, smoke and kindred filth, Yet standing out from the drear wall with the vitality of inspiration, I made my way into the front room. Its occupant was again asleep, and the flickering firelight threw strange shadows over his face as he moved uneasily in bed. We noiselessly opened the door, and once again were in the open, with the reek of tobacco and the stuffiness of the hot room still clinging to us. I tried to elicit from Mac some information as to the presence of the strange text in the house we had left, but he knew nothing of it, and had looked upon it with the callous eye of a man, who has sat untouched under prison chaplains, and wondered what the patter was all about. He said he had seen the diarrhea paper, which was pasted up on the wall, and of which he had a high opinion this was in allusion to the notice issued i believe by the lodging-house inspectors which has been circulated extensively in our lowest slums and has done a certain amount of good in spite of the ignorance of many who could not read its sensible directions we left charter street and walked quietly along an adjacent thoroughfare which was as silent as if it were one of the byways of the city of the dead mac told me the houses were respectable which i interpreted to mean of a character superior to common lodging kens and in this i was confirmed when he added that the fly men who were never lagged lived in them this means rogues who do their thieving so cleverly and with such precautions against detection that the police cannot perhaps for years convict them although they are morally convinced of their guilt one of the front doors stood wide open and at the end of the low narrow passage leading to the back kitchen a brilliant light was shining. We walked in, and there, comfortably enjoying their midnight drink and smoke, were two respectably dressed men, who might have passed for clerks or warehousemen. There was nothing in their appearance to create suspicion, and after resting for a few minutes and joining them in a pipe, I left with the impression that they must have retired long ago from public life. I gave utterance to these sentiments, and was pulled up by a sarcastic chuckle from Mac who disabused my mind of all illusions, by stating that they were the two cleverest hooks pickpockets, in the city, but had only worked at fairs and races. They had been very successful too, he told me, and had had, all luck, in very seldom being jugged, locked up. One or two other of these respectable habitations we looked into, and shortly after we wended our way back to the street, cabbage-anns being our destination, and there— A surprise awaited us.